Hello, everybody. My name is Josh Neighbors. Welcome to the Locked On Nationals podcast. This is episode number 30. We finally made it to the big 3-0. I am recording uh, at 1045 at night right now with Connor Jones, who made us late to this podcast because he had to get that Sean Hannity fix in. So, Connor, we appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate you uh, allowing us to record at such a late hour. Yeah, I mean, I just had to figure out what was going on in the world today. I was, I'd been off the grid a little bit, wanted to wanted to see what was going on, and and now we're here. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, facts only on the Sean Hannity program, right? <laughs> facts first. Um, I think I, did, I didn't really catch much, but um, from the forty-five seconds I did see, I, I it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tonight we have another Nats rewatch. This one's part number five, so it's the final uh, regular season game. That we're going to talk about the September 3rd, 2019 Nationals 11 Mets 10 game that took place place at Nats Park. Your context heading into this game, the Nats were three games up in the wild card heading into this game at 77 and 59. Things were going well. Obviously, September last month of the season, so I just need to kind of to close things out. Um, Connor, you know, at, at this point in time, to me, the big headline coming in was to this this game and just in general for the Nats was they were looking to hold off whoever that team was going to be, whatever that NL Central team was going to be, that was going to be the wild card. The goal was to hold them off and see if the Nats could maintain some home field advantage. Because at this point in the season, in September, it felt like the Nats were definitely a playoff team, definitely good enough. But I was thinking about them getting home field advantage. That felt like the most important thing for me. The thing for me in September, early September, it almost felt like, maybe the Nats had hit their stride a little too early and they kind of were on a bit of a downswing. They kind of maybe ran out of gas trying to charge out of that, out of that hole that they had at the end of May. And maybe they spent out so much energy that in, um, you know, early September, we were wondering, are they going to have enough to make it to the finish line? Are they going to maybe miss the playoffs? Maybe are the Phillies going to sneak in? Are two NL Central teams going to sneak in? Are the Nats going to get into that wild card game? I actually remember, uh, during this game, when the Nats were down pretty big, getting a getting a text from one of my friends with a, a meme that said something to the effect of "You can't choke in October if you don't make it to October." Yeah. So <laughs> that was that was kind of my thought process, and maybe a lot of the thought process of a lot of other fans going into this matchup. So we know this is a tough time for everybody right now, and one company trying to get you guys through it and get us all through it is Postmates. And for me. I've let my fa- my friends, my family, my grandparents who are stuck in Southern Virginia, uh, my family that I'm with currently in Richmond, and my brother who's currently uh, staying with his fiance right now, I've let everybody know about Postmates and this amazing opportunity. If you're like me, you probably started thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates does not just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life a lot easier with grocery delivery, whatever whatever I can think of delivery too, which is really, really important this time. Convenience stores, clothes, you name it, they can bring it to you, and that's helpful during the coronavirus outbreak. So no more trips to the store. No more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates listeners can get $100 of free delivery if you use the code Locked On in the first seven days. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery for the first week with no minimum purchase during the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. 
Yeah, and it was interesting because in this matchup, you had the Mets who were 70, it was 69-68, so they, they were really kind of at this point, I mean, not out of it completely, but it was not a good situation for them. They were really, uh, at this point in time, you know, you're staring down however many games you have left, you're a little bit over 500 in the Mets case, and, um, you know... <laughs> I mean, they, they were they were five and a half back, and they win the game before. But you think about it from the Nationals' perspective, you know, the Nats actually lost this series, and if it wasn't for this game, they would have been swept at home by the Mets at a time where the Mets were trending downward. They were trending the other way. Yeah, the Mets, the Mets were definitely trending out of the race at this point, and the Nats getting swept at home by that team would uh, not maybe not has been, been as bad as the four game sweep in May that uh, right before the. The big right. run that the team went on, but it would have been kind of close. That would have been pretty bad, especially at home. So um, I don't think that you can really underestimate. I know they lost the next day, but I think the momentum gained from this really gave them another wind of energy to kind of pick up enough wins down the stretch to get into the wild card game and then also have home field in the wild card game. All right, let's talk about this game from a uh, technical perspective. And I mean, it's so funny. You look at the final score line, eleven to ten. But remember who was on the mound of this game. It was Scherzer and DeGrom, a matchup that we'd seen for this the third time in the season. Remember that, that really that um, impressive game one outing from both guys. Game and I mean game one of the season. This is this was the pitching matchup. Uh, the Nats grab an early one nothing lead because of Soto and that ball drilled and the Nats will take the lead. Soto rounding the bag big. He's going to go for two and he is safe. That's his 96th RBI and a huge early run for the Nats. I would say for the first three innings, Scherzer strikes out five and he looked really dialed in. And this is actually the second time that the, you know, that we've talked about a game um, where the, the Nats got to DeGrom early. They actually got one across, but in a game like this where, you know, the Nats struck first and Scherzer gets five strikeouts in the first three innings at that point in time, you're probably feeling pretty good about the Nats' position, right? Yeah, Scherzer comes out, he's pitching well, has a clean first three innings. You feel good about it, he just got jumped on in the fourth. Um, you know, it wasn't something that you could see coming, the way that it seemed like his night was heading early on, but the Mets certainly got to him. They Maybe they found something when you see how many hits that they were able to string together in the fourth and then end up hitting one out of the ballpark. That's not something that you see happen against Max very often at all, maybe a couple times a year. But uh, that that really put the Nats in a hole in this game. Yeah, and you know, in that in that fourth inning, you three straight hits, and then Panic gets a three run shot that makes it four to one Mets. So Panic the batter, Panic hit the ball hard his first time up, lined out to left, and he swings and hits this one deep to right center. Back goes Parra looking up, and it's out of here. Joe Panic with his first home run as a New his fourth of the year and the Mets have put up a four spot against Scherzer in the fourth inning weirdly enough you know we fast forward in this game because the score was kind of a you know the Mets ended up going it was five to two at one point you go into the eighth inning and DeGrom comes out in the eighth after giving up two runs you know at that point it felt like his day was done but the Mets just like the Nationals did not trust their bullpen and tried to get a little bit more out of DeGrom and didn't. And, and he gave up a two-run bomb to Juan Soto. The leadoff single by Anthony Rendon, and here comes Juan. And he was all in on 2-0, and and he's all out of here. See you later. 
number 32. It's a one-run game. It made it five to four. And Soto, Connor, he had a massive game in this one. Um, and if you look back at, you know, looking back at the box, I mean, half the highlights are Juan Soto getting on base. But in the end of the day, he is um, three for four and knocks in three runs. And that two-run shot was a big one. How many games have we sat here when we've been breaking down some of these big matchups of the 2019 season and seen a Juan Soto home run in the late innings? Yeah. It feels like every time it's like in the eighth, Soto and deep. Um, when you <laughs> see how the Nats were able to win these games. So that seems to be a, a, a common characteristic of all of them. From the Mets' perspective, leaving DeGrom in really does make sense with the way their bullpen is. I mean, we can see that. They couldn't even hold a six-run lead for one for three outs in this game. So um, at that point, Callaway is probably trying to get as many outs as he can out of his best pitcher. Sometimes uh, you get bit when you're facing the – the middle of the Nats order that was so good for all of last year. But I mean, that, that gave, that brought the Nats right back into the game. And then it seems yeah, like suddenly after that, they were, they were back out of it pretty quickly. Yeah. What a weird swing. And, you know, I watched that game live again or watched that game on rewatch rather. It was really odd, you know, in that eighth inning, I felt like it was, odd, you know, you think about it, for a normal team DeGrom should have been out of the game, but for the Mets, his bullpen is just a disaster. Leaving him in made some sense. Um, so you go into that ninth inning, and what the weird thing is Nimmo goes deep, and that makes it 6-4, and that was unavoidable. What I think a lot of people don't, for, don't remember about this game, and I'm sure you do, is Trey Turner forgets how many outs are on a double play ball that I believe would have either made it two outs or I think would have ended the inning. It, it would have ended the inning. It would have really stopped the rally, I think. So there was one out. He thought there were two and throws the first and keeps the inning alive. Time since coming back from the injured list. Double play ball. Turner going to first. Did he forget how many out there were? Yes, he did. Apparently, Turner forgot there was only one out. I mean, that is a routine inning-ending double play. Now, instead, the Mets have runners at second and third and a chance for Jeff McNeil to put the hammer down. And he lines one the other way. Base hit! Lagaris is in. Frazier being waved home. Soto makes the throw to the plate. The slide. He's safe. Down to second base goes McNeil. He tacks on two with a base hit. And the Mets lead it eight to four in the ninth. That's, uh, that kind of gets back to my point at the beginning about a team that may have peaked too soon. That's the kind of play that a tired team makes, a team that's not a clear, like as focused into the game as they probably need to be playing baseball day after day. It's just a, an absolute mental error on Trey Turner's part, and I think he'd say as much that that's just a, a frustrating mistake for a player to make that when that's the kind of play that you could call that could cost you the game because obviously physical things happen but forgetting the outs that's just that's a tough one to swallow and definitely put the Nats behind the eight ball in this game and you think about the part of the order too that the left up McNeil and eventually drives in a pair of runs and Alonzo then drives McNeil in and just hammers a home run and that's one of those moments and I know you talked about it too where it's just you're kind of at the point where you're like okay this is not the championship medal that we're talking about the national showing throughout many points of the season. Now we'll get to the championship medal here coming up in the bottom of the ninth. But at that point in time, they left the door open to a decent team, but the best part of the decent team's lineup. And it, it, they really made him pay. And Pete drives one to center field. Back goes Robles for a look, but it's out of here. Number 44 for Pete Alonso. The Mets have brought the roof crashing in on the Nationals. Alonzo with a two-run homer to put the icing on. 
Yeah, this was a really atrocious outing for Daniel Hudson, looking back on it. Yeah. Uh, he, he really had – he was phenomenal at the Nats in the postseason and the regular season, just getting into the playoff game. Obviously, they don't have the 2019 World Series without him, but this is this might have been the low point. <laughs> this is just a bad <laughs> inning of work from Daniel, looking at it right now. Uh, it capped off by that Alonzo homer, but uh, wow, he, he really didn't have many innings like that over the course of the year. And the best part of this is that your your boy Junior Garrett gets the win after he throws a third of an inning there uh, uh, in the back end. A, oh, Javi Garrett. This is where, this is where people Javi are Guerra. are confusing the mediocre Guerra arms in the major <laughs> leagues. Yeah. No, I know which one it is. I just I, I actually just drafted uh, Junior Guerra in a um, in a fantasy draft. I was doing on MLB the Show 19, so that's why I got I got them confused. Yeah, exciting uh, news for the fans. Um, uh, garbage time Javi Guerra is back on the in the organization again this year, so we maybe get to see a little yeah. bit more of him. So we'll go to the we'll go to the ninth inning now. Turner drives in a run to make it 10-5. Rendon drives in a run to make it 10-6. This is where we have the Dion Waiters Award, the best uh, the award for the best showing by a role player. It's gotta be Ryan Zimmerman coming in, pinch hit situation, bases loaded, Connor, and he drives in two runs. This is why he's the captain. This is why he is the man for the Washington Nationals. He came up big, and what a great, great, great showing from a guy. And there's no better definition than a role-playing position than pinch hitting, is there? As in an unlikely save situation, coming into face pinch hitter Ryan Zimmerman with the bases loaded and one out in a 10-6 game. Zimmerman, right center, well hit, and it's up against the scoreboard. Two runs will score. Held at third is Soto, and it's 10-8. to eight. So- Yeah, it really shows. This is an example of where the Nats' depth really helps them out. I mean, they have so many parts they could mix and match on the right side of their infield. At first and second last year, where you have Cabrera, you have Howie Kendrick, you have Brian Dozier, you have Matt Adams, Ryan Zimmerman. That's so many guys, so many veteran hitters that are all uh, tough outs. For a pitcher to get so Matt Adams was going to come up obviously the Mets uh, um, make a change there the Nats hit for him you bring in Ryan Zimmerman I mean they get the matchup they want and the hitter they wanted at that time can can make the opponent pay and that's that's one of the benefits to having a lot of different guys that you can throw at an opponent late in games yeah and the, the struggles continue for that Mets bullpen here and you look at it in the end it was Kurt Suzuki with two runners on he just hits an absolute bomb. Blue at third, Taylor the tying run at second. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later! The Nets have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! And if you walked out of this ballpark with the Mets score five runs in the top of the ninth inning, you blew it! And what a moment that was. I, you know, I think we all remember where we saw it when if you gave up on this game and uh, um, you were like, what in the hell just happened? And also, too, the one thing I have to mention is that I think it gave us the best call of the entire season, which you guys will hear here, obviously, in, the, in this podcast when I insert it. But, I mean, the ending where Jagler and Slows say, if you left the ballpark when the Mets scored five in the bottom of the ninth, you blew it. Probably the best call, I think, all season. And look, there were a lot of great calls from the announcers, but what a moment, what a game, what a performance, what an at-bat. 
the best that we see from Kurt Suzuki. I know he had a great you know, big moment to the playoffs, but that's got to be your favorite Kurt Suzuki moment. I mean, I, I know he came up clutch in the playoffs, but man, this, was, this one was pretty sweet to do this to the Mets. Personally, for me, it's my number two favorite Kurt it's Suzuki fine. moment. But this number moment was pretty one for sweet. me, I just want to point out, this is obviously massive home run, but the game two of the World Series home run yes. in Houston in the seventh inning, that was, that was the moment where I was like, wow, this team, I really started to think this team's going to win the World Series. But, but as far as yeah. this one goes, I'm a sucker for great calls, yeah, so that's why to, I enjoyed this one more. Not to get away from the topic too much, what Kurt Suzuki did here to cap that off was humongous, I think, for the Nats going forward in September. To win a game like that, it just it shows a team that you're never out of a game. And you feel like you, you feel like you don't ever there's never a reason to quit. I mean, you're down ten to four in the ninth inning. How many teams are gonna mail it in there? You'd think most. You'd think most are gonna say, All right, we'll get them tomorrow. There's 162 games in the season. But for guys to come through like that, hitter after hitter, to to stay in there, stay focused, and for Kurt Suzuki to to cap that off, obviously he had a great is a great matchup. Being able to hit off Edwin Diaz last year is a great opportunity for anybody. But um, yeah, huge huge swing there from Suzuki. Yeah, and and also too, um, I just want to go through the guys who drove in runs there. You know, Turner, Rendon, Zimmerman, Suzuki. I mean, you go with you know. Everyday guy in, in Turner. Rendon's a star. Zimmerman's a guy who came up big in a lot of spots and comes in in a pinch-hitting situation, does a great job. Kurt Suzuki, not the best hitter on the team, but boy, has he been clutch. Like you, you mentioned, game two with that home run in the World Series, and, and right here as well, too. That just shows you how complete this Nationals team was, and it was a bit of a preview of things to come, wasn't it? Yeah, they're, they were so complete. The, the, the amount of quality hitters that they could throw at you at bat after at bat is – Something that I don't think that maybe they got enough credit for over the course of the year because of how many games the Dodgers won and how many games the Astros won and how great those two teams were and how the Nats got off to such a bad start that their record was well behind those teams and they couldn't even pass Atlanta to win the NL East. I think because of that, because of how good the Nats starting rotation is and how much attention that gets, the quality of that lineup and how deep it was, I don't think people really gave it the amount of credit that it deserved. And I think this game, maybe more than any other one, uh, shows you kind of what that group is capable of and how tough it is to get to get 27 outs in a game against a lineup of that caliber. Yeah, that's why they were so good down the stretch, and that's why they ended up being the World Series champion. Um, all right, that'll wrap up this one. So we've got all of our regular season games out of the way. The next game you and I are going to take a look back, and for all of you guys um, watching at home, Remember this, all of the games from 2019, and I believe 2018 too, they're all available on the um, on MLB.tv. They made them free and available. Also, we're going to do the wild yeah, card Yeah, you might games. as well go back and watch because I know you don't have anything, better, anything else we, better to do. We know you have nothing better to do. Exactly right, Connor. Um, so the next thing we're going to do is the NL wild card game. That one is going to come early next week. Connor, you and I are going to fit in. Our next one we're going to do is we're going to finish up the prospect preview, we've got the top five prospects in Nats organization according to NLB Pipeline. Um, we'll have that later this uh, coming up uh, later this week, probably on Friday. So make sure you guys catch up on the wild NL wild card game this weekend. Go back and watch that one. Um, uh, awesome victory for the, the Nationals in that one. But we're finally at the playoff games. We're going to pick out five playoff games. We're going to do those for you guys. 
um, we're basically going to skip the Cardinals series because it was just such a thrashing. And to be honest, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, Connor, but I said that it was going to be a clean sweep. I, t- I said the Nationals, I had full confidence in them to do it. They did it. The Cardinals had nothing for them. So do you think we need to pick the, any Cardinals games? Because I feel like between the wild card game and the World Series, the five, none of the five best games came during that Cardinal series. The Anibal Sanchez performance, if it's not in the top five, definitely deserves a shout out. Um, yeah. Maybe the best individual performance, one of them of the postseason. I think the Cardinal series didn't provide maybe as many fireworks or as many late inning exciting games, obviously, outside of uh, maybe game one. But when you look at the Dodgers series and the Astros series, those games were definitely. Um, more of matchups that were taking years off my life. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll get to those moments because it took years off many people's lives as well, too. All right, Connor, appreciate it. This one, uh, part number five of our 2019 Nats rewatch. We appreciate you for joining. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of this part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>